passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast hosted by the starting kicker for your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett, and me, Tony Liebert. Um, For this week's episode, we'll be reacting to the Gophers' first loss of their season, 20-10 against Purdue in Week 5. And we'll be uh, talking about, I guess, the bye week and where the Gophers go from here. Um, I feel like Against Purdue, um, one of the bigger stories from the game was obviously uh, Muhammad Ibrahim not suiting or suiting up, but not playing in the game. Um, I, I guess what I, from my perspective, what I was curious for with something like that, um, is that when a player's like ruled out pregame, is that something that kind of just like it doesn't get like announced to the team, but like it trickles down the sideline and people just start talking about it or kind of how did everyone else on the team figure out that Mo wasn't going to play? Um, I really don't know if it was, you know, a position group thing. Um, I think everybody knew kind of heading into the week um, since he was, you know, practicing, but it wasn't at his full potential full strength or anything like that so we knew about Mo and he was you know had a little injury that was holding him back from being his 100 percent um so I think everyone on the team knew of the possibilities of that um but I don't think anyone knew until really Trey was out there in the first series and we're like all right this is uh what we gotta do today yeah I I mean I, I, I don't want to say it looked like uh, you guys missed him on the field, but it definitely seemed like there was a part of the offense that was missing. Um, Bryce Bryce Williams and Trey Potts have done good uh, or done well when Mo hasn't been on the field, but uh, it was not their best game against Purdue. And the rushing attack as a whole did struggle. And uh, it just – that seems like a area that um, there's room to improve next week, obviously, or end of the bye week. And that seems like something that will probably be a focus of the offense to improve on. Um, well, yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, last year we lost Mo early and then a few games later lost Trey. And then a little later in the season lost Bryce. Um, so we've definitely had experience with losing, you know, star players, especially at the running back position. 
And it's something where we shouldn't miss a beat with it. But, you know, this team, all we've experienced up to this point is being the first ones to score, leading large at halftime. And this was just uh, a new position for this team specifically to be in. Um, you know, we've had old older guys that have been in games with a lot more competitive nature than this season so far has brought. But, um, you know, struggling early really tested what we were going to respond with. And needless to say, we did not respond well. We kind of turned away from our culture and what we've been coached to do. And, I mean, as much as it sucks, we learned from that. And going forward, we're going to be in more games like that where we might not be the first ones to score and we might be down at halftime, but we have to be able to respond, rely on each other, and really stick to what has gotten us to this point. Yeah, I I mean, even outside of football, almost just in life in general, successful people and successful teams – they they respond well to adversity and it's kind of the first time that uh this team at least this year has faced adversity and now now it's time to to respond yep um kind of i guess uh from uh your point of view you obviously missed your um first kick of the year on the early field goal in the game um but you responded making uh your next field goal after that kind of what was your uh how do you block out a missed kick like that? And because you kind of almost have to pretend it didn't happen because you know the team's going to have to rely on you again. You're going to have more opportunities in the game in the year. Uh, how do you kind of, I guess, throughout your career, just block out missed kicks like they just didn't happen? Yeah. I mean, those ones are especially tough because, you know, it's a short kick. I mean, it was a fourth and goal. And at that point, you're 100% expecting points. So missing a short kick like that is really tough, especially early in the game because there's so much more time left and you know there's going to be a lot more opportunities. Um, So that's hard. And, you know, you hear the crowd, not that I want to take the crowd into effect, but you hear the crowd, the boos and the awes and everything from a missed field goal. Um, But, you know, jogging off to the sideline – I knew my defense was going to respond well and coach Fleck was right there and he was the first one to see me off the sideline. And he's like, just keep your head up. You know, we're, we're going to need you later in the game. Um, so hearing that from, you know, the head guy is always reassuring. And that's a part of the mental training that I've been working on this off season, just getting my head right for situations like that to arise. And I mean, I'm, First and, foremost, first and foremost, the most disappointed in myself when I miss a kick um, and then just make it, it a short kick early in the game in a game that we know is going to come down to a few points. That's the worst situation possible. Um, but, you know, the mental training that I did really paid off and just getting myself back to each kick as its own entity and you have to treat each one differently. So that one's out of the way. Missed it. It is what it is. What can I do now to help the team? And, you know, I think it was the next drive where another field goal came up and it was a bit deeper. 
a little bit more of a challenge into the, you know, open part of the stadium where the wind is, you never really can tell the true wind there. Yeah. But, you know, I just trusted my guys, Brady and Crawford, and just went back to trusting myself and paid off. Yeah. I mean, it has to be kind of odd. The lonely and uh, dark moments of being a kicker, because uh, when you do mess up and uh, fail to make field goals in those situations, uh, not many, I guess, at least from the outsiders, not on the team, but not many fingers are pointed anywhere at but you. And uh, it, it has to be a weird feeling that there's not really anything else in sports that I think really compares to it, because it, it is. It is just you, and uh, obviously you got the whole unit working together, but uh, it has to just be a very, very weird feeling that I don't think anyone can really experience unless you are a kicker. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we always talk about keeping the external out and just really cranking up the volume of the internal. Um, But in those situations, not only is – the external really loud and they're all booing and whatnot, but also from the internal side of it, I just feel like I let down my team and that's the worst feeling in the world. Um, So that's really what sticks with you a lot harder than all the fans booing and whatnot. Um, Because obviously if you make a game winning kick at the very end, when you missed an early kick in the beginning, all the fans are going to love you at the end. So it all shakes out with the external, but internally we game plan to score points. You know, we game plan that our kickers are going to be a hundred percent with their field goals. Um, We're going to complete every throw. We're going to execute every run block, going to make every tackle, you know, that's how we game plan. And if we fall short of that, that's what we learn from. And that's what we grow from. Um, So, you know, you never want, to see a missed kick internally and just knowing that was probably the hardest part about it but I am proud of the way that you know I responded and had two more opportunities in the game that I was able to capitalize on but you know it's a part of the process and it's a part of football you know there's a bunch of kickers every week that miss a lot more important kicks than that one that I missed right there. And I've had seasons in the past where I missed, you know, a short chip shot field goal early on in the season and then continued on and had a fantastic year. So it's one kick. It sucks. Came at a loss of our team and was in a situation where I could have really helped the team. And, you know, that's going to live with me throughout the next couple of weeks, but it's not the end of the season for me. So just keeping my head up and knowing that my team will need me later on is really what's driving me. I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that you just can't really, uh, unless you're in the moment, like uh, you're going to be just down on yourself until you make the next one. Cause you just have nothing to look on. It, it's just a hard thing. And uh, it just, it's I would imagine it's just you can't really experience this unless you're in the moment and but uh kind of I guess onto a positive thing from 
uh, the offense, someone who played very well was uh, Daniel Jackson. He had uh, six catches for 110 yards, um, both career highs, I believe, for him. Um, that that He was another, uh, I guess, talented guy in that wide receiver room that uh, last week it was kind of uh, Mike Brown-Stevens had more catches, but Daniel Jackson had two touchdowns last week. And I think um, – he definitely seems like he's stepped up in the absence of Chris Ottman Bell and really it's just the wide receiver room as a whole and the pass catchers as a whole adding uh Brevin Spanford to that. It just it seems like it, it might be a different person every week, but that is definitely a position group that has been able to pick up the slack with the absence of Crab. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's you know, that's the kind of football we play. We play with a good run game and a good pass game. And we're going to need everybody on the offense to step up and perform when their number is called. And without a doubt, Daniel Jackson did not miss a beat. And that's exactly what we're going to need if we want to be holding a Big Ten trophy at the end of the year. Um, And this game was a learning experience for a lot of us because we saw that when our number is called, we have to step up and do our jobs. And Daniel Jackson's a great example of him going out there and doing his job exactly as he should. And that's what internally we expect from him and we expect from every player because that's kind of the standard that we're held to here. But, you know, we had a lot of guys that didn't completely step up when they needed to. And that's what we're going to be working on so that, when those situations arise, we can capitalize on them moving forward. Yeah, I feel like uh, just looking at the game as a whole, there were just a few big moments that just didn't bounce your guys' way. Like, um, I know early in the game, that fourth down decision when uh, Cole Kramer was under center, um, that, that, that was a play. I bet if you guys run it 10 times, you convert it maybe seven or eight times. And uh, like Michael Brown, Stevens touchdown that b- bounced off his hands, that's a play if you throw that ball 10 times, I bet he catches it nine. And it just seems like it was one of those games that those 50-50 plays just were not bouncing your guys' way the whole time. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, your short kick, you probably kick that 100 times, you make it 95. It just seems like uh, nothing was really going right for you guys and you couldn't get a favorable bounce. Yeah, exactly. And typically on Sundays after the game, that's what Coach Fleck will pull up for us, but have examples from other teams around the nation that uh, had those 50-50 plays not go their way and then how that impacted the rest of the game for them. Um, and up until this point, we didn't have any examples from our own team of stuff like that not going our way. So this past Sunday, yesterday, you know, having examples of – you know, a short field goal missed, uh, touchdown reception, bounce out of the hands, uh, just stuff like that not going our way. Two punts, hitting our own players just before hitting the other team yeah, for yeah. an illegal touching. Like, stuff like that really, really adds up. And, you know, if one play of that would have changed, could be a completely different ball game. And that's – that's something that you don't really think about until you look back and individually see each clip and think, Oh, this was there. If only this happened, there's a 14 point swing. 
but you know that's that's football and that's what makes it so interesting is it can come down to any singular play at any moment to completely shift the tide of the game so you know that's what we're learning and we just need to learn to take each play and capitalize on each play as it comes yeah i mean that's kind of i guess uh sports in general i know coach flex says that uh he doesn't believe in momentum necessarily but uh those big uh moments in the game really does it, it can shift the direction of the game because uh if, if you go in and score a touchdown on that michael brown stevens catch uh i it's a completely different game and uh, the, the, your guys's culture might not believe in the momentum, but those just completely shift the direction of how the game's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, you know, we know that, and we don't rely on momentum, you know, swaying how we play, uh, each, each play brings its own challenges and its own situations. But at the same time, you think about, what if it went this way? Yeah. Then we would be put in a better position. But all you can do in the situation and in that moment is play your best in the situation you have in the hand that you're dealt. Yeah. I mean, that's really all you can do. But uh, kind of the last, I guess, big uh, positive performance was the game from the game, I think was the uh, defensive ability to make uh, big plays. It seemed like every time that, there, there was like a lull in the game and there was a bunch of punts in a row. Um, they were able to force a Purdue turnover. And I guess specifically in the back end in the secondary, it was an impressive day from both uh, Jordan Houghton and Tyler Newbin, um, two of the best really safeties in the conference, uh, maybe the best duo in the conference, if not the country. They had three combined turnovers and it really seemed – even though there were a few big plays defensively that uh, Purdue were, was able to find, it just seemed like uh, spe- specifically in the, in the back end, they were just flying around and making plays on the ball all game. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you always rely on your best players in the biggest games, biggest stages. And looking at it now, you may have not seen it before, but we always say 1-0 championship season. And that's how we approach every game. But you don't really always go in with the mindset of this is the championship game when it's just an 11 o'clock Big Ten West showdown. But when you start looking at the conference, now we have, I think, six teams in the Big Ten West, all one and one in the Big Ten. So now everybody's on an even playing field going forward. Um, But those two guys are huge on our defense, huge in the back end, being able to shut guys down and really limit quarterbacks on what kind of throws they can make. And they stepped up, and we're going to continue to need them to step up, but that's who they are, and it's exactly who we need back there. Yeah, I I mean, uh, you did kind of mention it that – I almost feel like this week across college football is almost like a reset. Um, there's a lot of teams even outside the Big Ten, inside the Big Ten, that uh, I think you learned a lot about a lot of different teams this week, and specifically in the Big Ten West. Now, six of the seven teams are one and one. Um, and 
for you guys, like your goals for the season are kind of still in front of you. I know uh, Coach Fleck mentioned that in his uh, post-game press conference, but kind of, I guess, what was his uh, message to the team after uh, your first loss of the season? Yeah, um, the message is really just we don't have any time to, like, play around with any team. Every single team in the Big Ten, every single team in the Big Ten West is going to have Minnesota marked on their calendar. And we are going to be getting the best games from everybody in the conference. So we cannot slow down in any way. And if we truly, truly want to win the Big Ten West, we can. We just need to attack each week with the mindset of we are the team to be taking down and everybody is going to want to throw everything they have at us. And if we let up, if we come in with the wrong mindset, anything like that, teams can beat us. It's not impossible. So we have to know that. We have to have that humbleness about us that if we're not at the top of our game, anyone can beat us. But at the same time, we have to know that we can dominate any single team in the conference if we show up the way we should. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really the only way you can look at it. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned, um, every team is one and one in the conference. Um, but now you got or every team but Wisconsin is one and one in the division in the West. But uh, now you have the bye week to look ahead to, obviously. Um, well, every team, might it might have been kind of a reset in college football. Now you guys get a whole extra uh, week to prepare for um, Illinois in uh, week seven. Um, but I guess kind of how different is uh, a bye week than a normal week uh, for your guys' schedule? Um, I Obviously, there's no game to prepare for, but how different um, is practice this week going to be compared to a uh, typical game week? Yeah, so it's a bit different. Um, we will most likely be doing a lot of more Minnesota on Minnesota, ones on ones in practice, and just refining a lot of things that, needs to be cleaned up uh, that we've seen so far in the season. And I know a lot of guys need rest. You know, they need to get their bodies back. It's going to be a very tough Big Ten seven-week stretch. So I believe we're getting a little bit more rest time than we usually would. And that's, you know, to get everyone's bodies back, to get um, more time in the film room, more time, you know, discussing certain aspects of the game. Uh, so it's going to be a bit more rest. And then when it's time to go, it's time to go. A lot of good on good ones on ones and just preparing for this long, very important seven week stretch that we're coming up, up on. Yeah. And uh, I feel like it kind of came at the perfect time. Um, obviously you mentioned that uh, Mo's injury um, that, He's obviously a major contributor on the team, and he can obviously get healthy now. And it kind of seems like in these first five weeks, um, at least from an outsider's perspective, you re really know like who you are as a team and who you are going to be. And I would imagine having the bye week at this time kind of almost helps you reset. And now you have those seven-week seven stretch, seven games to kind of prove and meet all those goals that you had preseason 
and you're kind of now in a position to do that with everyone even in the conference. I mean, uh, we saw it last week with uh, Illinois beating Wisconsin, and now Wisconsin's 0-2. They might have been a preseason favorite in the uh, West Division, but I think you can almost argue that all seven teams have a chance to uh, compete in the West Division, which is a very rare thing, I think, in any conference in college football. Um, but – Oh uh, yeah, I I mean it seems just like it's a it's an open race for anyone at this point. So uh, there's obviously a lot of overreactions to a loss for any team um, when you look at the fans and the media. But uh, it just seems like the whole season's still in front of you guys. It is. It, I mean, the whole season still is wide ahead. You know, it's yeah. completely open, as you said, in the Big Ten West, and we know that. And like you said, this bye week really couldn't have come at a better time because it comes right after we hit adversity in the first loss and our program is built on the response and how we're going to react and change our attitude, our mindset, you know, how we go about doing things to make sure that can't happen again. And it's going to be a time for the leaders of the team to really step up and take control and shape our season, how we want it to be shaped because right after the bye week, we're going against Illinois and Illinois is a very good team Yeah, that just whooped Wisconsin at Wisconsin, you know? So it's, it's no joke this year. And uh, we know that. And a lot of our response is going to come from the top, uh, you know, our best players and, how we react to that is going to dictate the rest of the year for us. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you guys obviously are going to look at every opponent the same way and look at it as a 1-0 season. Um, but w- when you look across the conference, like I could really be um, – if I if I was predicting from just as a media perspective, like you can make a real argument for five, if not six, of the teams to have a chance to win uh, the division, which is just – uh, I guess a testament to how open the season is and and it, uh, kind of what uh, college football is in general. But, um, yeah, I think that's uh, – if you don't have anything else you wanted to talk about this week, but uh, I, like like we mentioned, the season's still wide in front of you guys. Um, Gophers fans in general kind of seem to move their expectations a little bit, but, uh, like – this is can still be a team that competes at the highest level in the conference. And I think you guys showed that in your first four games, even in this game, you competed with one of the best teams in the conference, but yeah. Yeah, no, not really much to add. Um, We're just back where we are used to being, you know, outside the top 25, uh, the media died off. Not many people are going to be paying attention to Minnesota right now. And that's where we're comfortable and that's where we thrive. So, you know, our season, obviously not over. There's a lot of overreactions and saying that our season's over and we blew it and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, we're not done and we're going to continue to push on and whether the media and fans are there or not, that doesn't change any aspect of the people in the facility and, our mission. So we're not going to change anything about the way we go about it. 
we're still going to come in every single day and work just as hard, um, if not harder now. But, yeah, all I got to say is we're just not done. We're not done. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's what you want to hear. Um, but, yeah, oh, I, as always, I appreciate, appreciate everyone listening. Um, we'll probably have another midweek episode this week for the during the bye week. Um, as always, uh, I guess row the boat, Sky Mon, go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.